Susan McLaughlin here with the Align for Health podcast. If you're living in chronic pain or are just interested to learn how people have successfully gotten themselves out of pain, this is the podcast for you. Tune in to listen to interviews of everyday people taking steps toward a pain-free life. Today I have the pleasure to interview Danny Hemmett. Danny is a restorative exercise specialist and is the host of the popular Katie Says podcast. She is also the owner of Move Your Body Better, a business that believes that anyone at any age with any ailment can feel strong, balanced, and healthy. Hey, Danny, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. So, we're going to be talking about diastasis recti. I say diastasis recti, some people say diastasis recti, and some people just say DR, and some people say abdominal separation. So, yeah, some of lots you, of names. Exactly, and it can get confusing, but some of you um, may not know what diastasis recti is. Um, I'm going to turn that to you. Why don't you share with us oh, what gosh. diastasis recti is? I, I got to use the good new definition, um, you know, with the abnormal width, right, that that we've learned. So, um, gosh, boy, do I feel on the spot. Uh, oh, diast- I don't want to put you on the spot. Basically, <laughs> do you want me to just answer then what, or just share what it is? Yes. Basically, it's just an abdominal separation. So we have our two muscles in the front. And where it's, we have that connective tissue, and it starts to spread, and so we get more of that Like space. an abnormal. Right, an abnormal is, space. Sometimes yeah. people will have hardly anything, and they'll just have an Audi belly button. Mm. Right? Right. Yeah, there's a lot of different different uh, ways that it happens, and a lot of different ways that it manifests itself, and happens to both men and women. So Right, and I think that's really important, because I think, you know, when you're, if you're, if you're in the, a movement program or a fitness program and you're doing stuff on the floor and you're bringing legs into the air, I know in typical exercise programs, when you bring two legs up into the air and you start to see something coming out of your belly or the belly domes. Yeah, they call it the, the alien or the football. Uh-huh. It looks like a football or um, some people call it the alien baby coming out, uh, <laughs> poking its little vicious head out. And you're like, what? And, yeah. so that's and you think, like, I just need to do more of these 100s. That's all. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And those are those are the instances where I would say if you're listening and this is you, this is you, you notice your belly sticks out more or you mound or you dome or you have something, you're going to want to get it assessed by someone who knows about diastasis recti and start to, to address it. So typically, the way to address it has been through just a bunch of abdominal exercises, right? Yeah, well, and I think people just try and go for their flat stomach that way with, right. you know, just the, the ab work, and um, there's so many different kinds of ab work. But I guess it all really became a, more of a common conversation with, um, I think was it Tupler who did it first with the mummy tummy? Okay. Um, and there was a book that came out. And so people that maybe thought after they'd had a baby that they just couldn't get flat abs again, or they... Um, oh, I just got to get rid of this extra 10 pounds. You know, they just, they weren't quite as as taut or flat as they wanted to be. Um, 
they bought into this program and it was really, it was good because in a way it brought the conversation forward like, hey, my body's totally different after this happened. That's not to say you can't get DR, um, you don't have to be pregnant or carry a child to get DR because it, it just happens and most people are, you know, walking around with one. Um, but that was, that was kind of the way that people started to address diastasis recti not just as uh, my stomach's too big after my baby but hey there's something going on here that's not just going to be cured with a crunch right so it took a different approach to it which was kind of good yeah um, it wasn't necessarily the right approach but it, it just it separated it from just i can't get my stomach flat enough right and some of the other things that i just want to bring up about uh diastasis recti if you if you have it you know, most women are concerned uh, postpartum, and that's usually when they notice it. And I just want to um, just share that for, for women in pregnancy, 100% of women have that separation in their third trimester. And that is just, that's just how it is. And within eight weeks, that should close. So just yeah. to let people know that is, that's a normal... Um, state of tissue and then that should draw back in after the eight weeks have gone by and sometimes the whole entire abdominal stretches not just the linea alba so there are lots of layers here to the diastasis recti and one um, statistic that I just want to point out um, is 60% 66% of women with diastasis recti will have a pelvic floor dysfunction or an or and that could be either a prolapse, organ prolapse, or mm -hmm. it could be stress urinary incontinence. So that's a pretty high percentage. So if there's something going on with abdominal separation, there's that 66% chance that there's something else going on with organ descent and maybe some urinary incontinence. Yeah, and that is good that you brought that up because I don't think people put two and two together with that. You know, they're just focused on my stomach doesn't fit in my jeans as well as it used to. Right. Um, and so they're not even tying in, hey, I, I jumped off that curb and I peed in my pants a little bit. For them, it's a separate issue. Um, it's kind of that inevitability of, well, I had a baby, so now I can't hold my pee. Right. <laughs> um, and it's, it's totally not inevitable, I will tell anybody listening, um, that I can jump on a trampoline now. Yay. And, yeah, I don't like it. I think it's stupid, but I can do it with my kids. But I couldn't, you know, before I started healing this and, and fixing this with Katie Bowman's work. So um, it's not – peeing is not an inevitable part of having a baby or getting older. You know, peeing while you do CrossFit, that's not um, – you know, that that's it all matters and it's all tied in together. And so people need to understand don't separate your flat stomach um or your lower back pain from all those other symptoms and issues that are going on because it really is all connected. Exactly. And so. what I'd like to do, if it's okay, is let's back up a little bit, okay? Sure. Um I would really like to know a little bit about you and your presentation. So for you one thing that I know, we're, we both have gone through the restorative exercise program. We're both restorative exercise specialists. So we know each other well through the forum. And we re recently met just like, gosh, what, it was like four weeks ago. Or yes, it's awesome. We actually huh? got to meet in person, which is so great. It's so fun when you kind of already know somebody and then you actually physically get to meet 
Yeah, it's, it's like, like having a beer with Santa Claus. You're like, oh, yeah, she's real, and she's even more awesome in person. I'm talking about you. <laughs> well, thank you. So, so one thing that I know about you, and that's where I wanted you um, here on this podcast, is to share a little bit about your journey with abdominal separation. Okay. Um, and I will make it as brief as I can because okay. I, tend, I tend to run off at the mouth a lot. Um, so I had really big babies. Um, my first baby was 10 and a half pounds. I'm not a big person. I'm about 5'4". I'm pretty, pretty narrow um, in the frame. And so I had and then an 8 and a half pounder. And I was a lifelong rib thruster. I always stuck out my chest um, to make... You know, my boobs look bigger, my stomach looked flatter, and my mom always said, throw your shoulders back. So um, so I probably had DR before I even had babies, okay. honestly, but I just didn't know that. So I had um, babies, and as after the first one, of course, you know, you start getting that sneeze pee, that stress incontinence and all this stuff. And um, even though I had extra abdominal, you know, like intra-abdominal fat, um, I, I just noticed something was really different. Like my back was killing me and um, I just, I knew something was off. Yeah, something was just off. And so after the second one, of course, it just got worse. Um, I was even bigger with that eight and a half pound baby just because I stretched out that much more, I guess. And um, I was just unhappy and couldn't do anything to make my stomach flat right. after <laughs> and I wasn't tying in the fact that I can't hold my urine or anything um and um a friend had gone through a training in a uh, DR healing or closing technique we'll call it in New York and she called me and she didn't have kids but she was just like hey I know you're unhappy with how your stomach looks I really think you should look into this and I really think you should get trained in it. it's kind of a new thing and so I um, did that. We'll call it the, I don't know, Mupler. I don't know what we'll call it. But I, I did that training, and I followed it to a T, and it involved a lot of exercises and a lot of um, restricted movement and splinting. And by Jove, I did start to lose inches in my waist, and I started to get smaller, and the distance that I would measure between those two, you know, muscles, um, between the two rectus abdominis were, it was getting smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. And that tissue was kind of getting tougher and, I don't want to say tougher, but it just seemed like more taut. It wasn't so stretchy, spongy. Before it felt like I could kind of feel my guts when I would stick my hand down in my belly button. Right. Um, so it was really wide. And they say you don't really measure... Um, DR with fingers anymore, but that is still the most common, you know, it's just, you just have to do it with your fingers all the time because everybody else's fingers are going to be different. So if you want like a, you know, that's just not, that's the only measurement I know. Um, And that's what I, that's what I use too. Yeah. And, Uh and I guess we don't, we aren't, we don't really do that, but that's, I say, as long as your own fingers, it's kind of like using your own measuring tape, you know, what the change is. Right. So as long as some practitioners are saying, oh, no, you're eight fingers and you really thought you were six, well, maybe you were with your six fingers. So um, so I was really, mine, I will just say mine was at like almost 11. It was like 10, 10 and a half. Yeah, it was, I, I, it was like I was wearing a scarf, like my two <laughs> <laughs> abdominal muscles are just kind of like this great scarf, like Elvis that hung down. They were that wide. So anyway, that started to close and I started to have more control over my you know, bladder, my peeing and stuff, like I could do more and I could sneeze and I wouldn't always pee. So I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a miracle. 
Um, it took a lot of time, these, these exercises, and they also restricted much movement. Like you weren't supposed to swim, um, you know, <laughs> uh, you weren't supposed to do any backbends and yoga, just like crazy stuff, no cobra, anything like that. So it was very restrictive because you, if you were taught that this stuff could be torn basically. Okay. Um, so I was really afraid and, and, um, you know, I have my clients be, afraid as well because you don't want to tear your your lineal apart and um and then I started to notice after doing this about a year that my progress had stopped um but I myself and my clients were having serious structural issues all of a sudden the stress incontinence came back triply almost. Oh, okay. Um, and everybody was having shoulder and neck problems. And I started to watch my clients and realize this was due to the method of exercising because the way that you held yourself, the way that you were taught to breathe, you were essentially supposed to hold your stomach in all the time. Wow. All the time you were supposed to have your belly button to your spine. That is a lot of work, and it really sucks. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just, I, I don't even know how many years I took off my life by doing that. But so anyway, I started to notice such a common pattern, and I know it's only anecdotal. You know, I didn't have a study going on, but it was enough for me to see in my clients the same injuries, the same issues. So I immediately stopped. Um, I told my clients, I hunted them down as many as I could find. I'm like, I'm so sorry, but I think you should stop. I don't know exactly what's going on, but I don't know that you should do this anymore. And of course, you know, my stomach just went back out. Just like, you know, I pulled the life raft thing in the airplane. It just out again once I stopped splinting and doing all this, you know, medieval stuff to myself. Um, and so all this pain came back like in triplicate, like I mentioned, and I started looking um, online for something because, my gosh, I was only in my 30s. There had to be something that I could do to fix this. And um, I think maybe I just had hit 40. Anyway, I came across the Restorative Exercise Institute, like a blog that Katie says or something. And I started reading it, and I don't even think it was about DR. I think it was something else because I had pain all over my body. Um and it just made sense. So I started to kind of follow what was in the blog. And everything made sense. And it was almost like she was talking about everything I like inherently knew, you know, deep in my cells. Like right. what, what I was supposed to be doing. I just didn't know I was supposed to be doing. Um, and so I... It was kind of cute, actually, how I met Katie is I am just totally geeking out on her work. And I know nothing about it, but I'm just reading it and drinking it. In, and I look up the number for the Restorative Exercise Institute in Washington, the Northwest branch, okay. because she was in California in the Northwest. And I called, and this person answered, and I'm like, hi. And I started geeking out, going, I think Katie Bowman's the coolest, and I just, I want to learn with her so much. And, you know, I go on like an idiot for like five minutes, and finally this really little voice, scratchy voice comes on the other line. She's like, um, <laughs> this is Katie. <laughs> so at least she knew I wasn't kissing her butt. Uh, I was just genuinely enamored with the work. But so I started to do the certification process, which is, you know, fairly lengthy, um, which is good. And I went to my first training week. I'd studied for about a year and a half. And I thought, oh, I've got this. And I went to my first training week. And the first session I had, somebody said, well, your ribs aren't down. I'm like, yes, they are. I read this stuff. My ribs are down. <laughs> and for anybody listening, I don't know, should we even describe this or just have them look it up? Well, I think 
I don't know. I think I think just a general idea of ribs down. I mean, I think if you look, if you can can imagine the rib cage as uh, like a dome shaped or yeah. maybe a bell shaped. A lot of times when we bring the shoulders back, what we're doing is we're the top part we're bringing toward the back and the front part or yeah, the bottom will part lift is your chest cue. Yes. So those those lower ribs have a tendency to flare mm-hmm. out or that's the rib thrust. So being able to bring that back on top of the pelvis, that really is a keystone for yeah. core. It is, and, and that's, you know, easy enough to look up with pretty much any RES, you know, any yeah. sort of exercise specialist blog or KD stuff. But yeah. so I, um, they got my ribs down, and I I didn't look very good because I had also revealed some serious hyperkyphosis, but that's a whole different blog or podcast. Right. Um, but I went home for lunch, and I was walking up the stairs trying really hard to keep my ribs down. It's a new thing. And for the first time, almost ever since I had been a little kid, I felt my abdominal muscles fire on their own. Sweet. So I'm walking up the stairs in this beach house, you know, and um, at the training, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, that's that's the missing link right there. That's the missing link. Okay, so there's a few more missing links, but that was the big one. Um, and anybody listening... I know your stomach looks flatter. I know your boobs look bigger (laughs) when you stick your chest out and you thrust your ribs, but your abdominal muscles will not fire properly unless your ribs are down, your lower ribs over the top of your pelvis. And so that was huge. Like uh, all the the shame and pain I felt from having, you know, this this messed up body was just gone all of a sudden because I was like, that's how it's supposed to work. Your abdominal muscles fire on their own. You don't have to keep your belly button to your spine all the time, consciously. It's just they work when you're supposed to. That's huge. And it's, it was huge. Um, and so after, you know, doing that, because you can only do a little bit of body work at a time. And so people should be easy on themselves. Because if it took you 40 years to get all messed up, it's not going to take you a week to get unmessed up. Right. You know, it's just our bodies are malleable and they're wonderful. But you have to give yourself space and time to do the little, the small work, and then the small work gets yeah. big. Danny, can I ask you? So you said that you had been studying for a year and a half, and in that time, you you had you had found this work because it made sense to you, and basically, what you're kind of saying is your body hurt. Mm-hmm. So in this year and a half of of doing the the training or the the study online and basically self study, did you notice any change in your in your pain? Oh, I have no pain. I used to be on anti-inflammatory and pain medication all the time. Um, I would go to Mexico and get the cheap pain stuff at the pharmacies and then have it, you know, I would milk it all year long because I knew I would have foot pain, knee pain, back pain, shoulder pain, all that stuff. Um, and a couple years ago, I just, you know, got rid of my stuff. I threw it all away because I just, there's no pain anymore. I feel better at 44 than I did at 25. That's excellent. So in that, I I know a lot of people always ask, how long will this take? And you mentioned, you know, you kind of look at the state of your body and when you start to make changes, go easy on yourself. It's going to take some time. But as far as this, this discomfort, you had pain in all these different areas, 
How did you even notice how long it took for you to to come out of pain when you were doing oh, a lot of this corrective stuff? Yeah, I think the first thing I got rid of was um, some lower back and foot pain, and that was just doing a calf stretch for like a week. Wow. Um, and not even a week, maybe. So yeah, everything, everybody's body is different, um, but you can feel immediate results with this work. Otherwise, I, I don't think people would really stick with it because it's not big work. It is small work, a lot of it. Yeah. But if you do small work often enough, it pays off for you. Yeah. So. So this, this alignment position, this getting the rib cage basically down mm -hmm. um, and lined up with the pelvis that was a big aha for you. And where where has your body followed this aha? Where are you with your abdominal separation now? So I am probably down to maybe three fingers, and that's not doing Whoa. any weird splinting or weird abdominal exercise. I mean, I'm, you have to be conscious of it. It's a, you know you have to know because your body falls into old patterns easily. Yeah. Um, but and it probably took maybe a year, I guess, of just moving normally. I walk every day. Mm -hmm. um, and I had walked every day before that, but not with my my body in alignment. So that's that's really what started to make the difference for me. Were there some other movement correctives that seemed to be another aha for you besides the alignment yes. piece? What yes. Um, the good old relaxing of the abdomen. Oh, um, nice. It is probably the most challenging thing for a woman, and probably a man, too. If I were a man, I'd probably say the same thing. But to not hold your belly in, that's intense. I mean, talk about having to let the ego just go. But that also helped tremendously. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that I have to work on constantly. You know, if I get tense, I'll still feel it. It's like sucking back up. But if you can just let your belly relax, just like a little toddler. Just pretend you're a little toddler with a little round belly and let it relax. Everything changes because then you're able to start breathing in your rib cage like you're supposed to. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like Jenga. You have to do a little bit at a time and you can't do it all at once. Yeah. But drop your ribs, and then you can start relaxing your abdomen, and then you can start breathing your ribs, you know, and not doing this belly breath that was not helping me out. And and then you start to realize, wow, my shoulders are totally attached to my rib cage, which was totally messing up my, my abdominal muscles. So then I started, you know, working on shoulder girdle oh, great. Um, mobility, and that has been huge. I mean, for, to be able to reach my hands up and, like, wash my hair without my ribs following was just a a red letter day you know I was good so what are your favorite movements for your shoulder girdle okay what do you hmm. like to do um I like to bolster myself between my spine you know kind of let my ribs hang down on the oh, floor yeah. so I lie on the floor uh -huh. with my legs straight out and just kind of let my arms hang open because I have really tight um pecs uh -huh. so that's a biggie for me is just to do that and then kind of do like a windmill, you know, run your arms along the ground. As people listening are going to be like, what? But that was a good one. Yeah, well, what I can do too, and some of the movements that we've mentioned, I can link um, either a blog in the res world. I know mm -hmm. a lot of people have. Well, you have that great shoulder one that I use a lot. Um, which, and I think it's really good. Like? You do it in a doorway. 
Oh, and okay. so you put your arm up and then you look up and down. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I have I have hooks in some joists in my basement where I work. You know, I have my studio. Yeah. Um, but then I use just like a yoga strap or a belt, oh, and yeah. I do those um, for mobility, and that's that's huge too. Mm-hmm. So, let me ask you: When was the last time you actually assessed your abdominal separation? Um, you know, I haven't in a long time because I was reading. I can't remember if it was reading the gal that does Mutu. She follows a lot and you know, integrates a lot of restorative exercise and Katie stuff into her work. But I was reading a blog post or something, and it said you have to quit shoving your fingers into your belly <laughs> all the time. Um, and I so I just kind of quit because I figured I'm going to know by how my stuff fits, you know, if there's issues, if they're if it's getting wider. So I really don't assess myself anymore. I still have some intra-abdominal fat that I have to deal with. And people need to separate that for themselves. They need to know, is this an extra 10 pounds or is this a muscle, right. you know, abnormal muscle separation? Right. So that's something that people just need to, to fight, figure out for themselves. That's true. Now, one of the cool things that I just want to share here a little bit, I recently went to a mini, I call it a mini workshop. It was just a two-day workshop with Diane Lee. And Diane Lee is a physiotherapist out of Canada. And uh, she's doing some research uh, with Paul Hodges. And one of the things that they found, it's not published yet, but one of the things that they're looking at is they're looking at the... um, diastasis recti and that linea alba. So the linea alba is that connective tissue in between the two sides of the rectus abdominis. And what they're really seeing, you know, when we do that, when we do the curl up, which which is, you know, you test for the abdominal separation by putting, you know, your, your fingers in the belly button perpendicular to the body wall mm-hmm. and then you lift your head, right? Right. So as you, as you lift your head, what's happening is the abdominal muscles come closer together. And that's kind of been that gold standard for fixing the diastasis recti. But what they're really looking at, they're using ultrasound imaging. They're actually looking at the linea alba, and it's the tension across the linea alba that really is important for healing of the body wall because that's when you actually have that stability and the control for load transfer across your abdominal wall. So it's not the closure, it's the ability to create tension around the whole abdominal system. And I think things get a little tricky when you kind of do that traditional curl up because some people will feel closure, but it's still you can still dip your hand in really deep. That's so awesome. Did you get to see a visual of that when you were um, in that workshop? We, we did. Someone oh actually on the second day brought the ultrasound to the <sighs> workshop, and we got to see the abdominal layers. So we have transversus abdominis, internal oblique, and external oblique. And so mainly what you get to see is you get to see the transversus abdominis, that tension on the linea alba 
or lack thereof, mm-hmm. and the internal oblique. And the thing that was really interesting to me, this gave me more of an aha this time. And I kind of, I knew this, but now I think I'm seeing it more. I think when you see it on, on the screen, it's like, oh my gosh, this is so interesting. When we do that curl up, it takes all of the abdominal muscles to do that. And typically what we have when we do a movement is we have a strategy. And it's not always all the muscle strategy. It's one preference over the other. So somebody can be doing movements with an external oblique preference. So they're like all, you know, really bound down. Or they have a preference for internal oblique. And the internal obliques actually separate that rectus abdominis. So when cued for... Um, we were kind of playing around with this a little bit in the lab part is cueing for doing a transversus abdominis contraction. And what I felt on many people, myself included, is an overactive internal oblique response. That's interesting that you say that because that was one of the, the reasons that you weren't supposed to twist or even even like turn. And you can't see me because this is an audio podcast, but you can. But even turning like this was like a no-no yeah, with this technique because of that pulling of the obliques. But I, I'm glad that we, you brought this up because one of my, okay, I wouldn't say it's my favorite corrective, but one of my most effective, it's really hard for me to do, is a proper twist. Right. Um, and that was something that just even to do that, I had to get in the mindset of, oh my gosh, I'm ripping my guts apart by doing this. But to have that motion is so essential, um, for people in, 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 um, I don't want to even say healing. You know what I mean? I just, what what do we say? Because you're not really, it's BS that you're going to stitch it all together or, um, and even the founder of that particular technique that I'm referring to said, touch my stomach, you'll see there's nothing. And it was like a hard piece of wood down the middle of her her tummy. Right. But at the same time, there was like, no, she, she refused to, you know, it was all right. just locked down. She could not turn, she could not twist. Right. Um, so I'm really glad that you brought that up because that's something that's important for people to be able to do is a, a proper twist. And I don't know, do you have any on any of your blog posting? I don't do have do? I don't because I hate doing it. <laughs> I know. I, I don't think anybody really me. likes it, but it's so effective. It like, is, I have to remind myself with an alarm on my phone to, it is to super twist. Active. It is. Be, because it's not fun and it is, you, you, you're surprised when you actually do a proper twist. Right. Not a yoga class twist, right. <laughs> like a, a twist for this, but how little you truly can. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that's what's important, too. I think we get so focused on that one key muscle group that's going to be the magic answer. And no muscle works in isolation. We can't piece apart that Mm -hmm. at at all. But that deep abdominal muscle is important for that increasing that, that tension across the linea alba. So, you know, a lot of times people are in such a situation that they are lifting the leg is a an intense load for them. So being able to retrain how the muscles are working together can be really powerful. And to be able to really get that the, the term neuromuscular re-education is super powerful, but you don't play into tensing your muscle all day long. Right. It's just not it's it, it's not that's not real life and then as you said then you become the solid 
log and then you don't have any mobility. So it's this whole interrelationship between mobility, still uh, mobility, stability, force generation. Right. And your muscles want to do the right thing if you let them. Um, And one of the great examples that um, Katie always gives is if you watch a toddler and they're walking along in the playground without their shirt on, they have those cute little bear bellies. You know, they just have these little bellies that hang out. But if they go to climb up something, it flattens out. Because they're using it, but they're not thinking about, oh, I have to brace myself to climb up this slide or this ladder. Their body just does it because they're aligned and there's a proper length of their abdominal muscles. And they have that mobility and stability. And that's really something people need to understand is your, your tummy does not have to be flat all the time. Right. It's, it's don't do it. Let it go. <laughs> With that, Danny, um, we're kind of we're coming toward an end. And one thing that I always like to ask people that I interview is, people listening, um, if if, there, if there's something that you feel would be a pearl, or or something that you can share with someone who may have diastasis recti, and what what kind of information would you give them? Mm, okay. Your nugget, your golden nugget. <laughs> oh man, the pressure. Um, well, one, relax. Nice. Know that your your body will do what it's supposed to, and you can retrain all that stuff. Um, you don't need to do anything drastic. You don't need to do anything that hurts you. You just have to help your body. You have to re-educate, essentially, mm-hmm. um, how to move. And we are amazing creatures that we can do that. You can feel better. You can feel stronger. And you kind of have to readjust your standards of what is fit and beautiful. Right. And once you do that, it opens up a space for you to get better. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. This was fun. I've never been a guest before. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Thank you. All right. Bye.